We're focusing on trading following Jerome Powell's statements from last night. Bill Baruch, president of Blue Line Futures, joins us today to talk about the trades he's putting on. Bill, how are you reading the markets? Yields are up past 1.7, 1.73, the latest I'm reading on, on the 10-year. It's uh, whatever gains we've had in the gold and equities markets last night seem to be reversed today. Yeah, yeah, it's... You know, it was definitely surprising to see everything turn. Um, was it really that surprising to see another nosedive in, in the bonds? Not really, I guess. I mean, I, I've been thinking that we're going to uh, bottom out here. And, you know, ultimately, it just, it just hasn't stopped. And this is, the bond market, treasury market, for that matter, is, is one of those that when it starts to move and, and the floodgates open, it's a tough one to stop. And so there's a number of narratives around it. I mean, the Fed, don't get me wrong, the Fed was very dovish yesterday. But the problem with just being dovish, it's, it's not enough anymore. And you know, you look back a couple of weeks ago when Fed Chair Powell was doing an interview with the uh, Wall Street Journal, it came up with as yield curve control. And they weren't thinking about yield curve, yield curve control yet. So what did you see? You saw the, the longer end, longer duration bonds in, in the 10-year as well, dove lower, yields spiked. And, uh, and, and some you know, panic ensued in, in the equity markets. Tech is, is one that's getting hit the hardest. Um, yesterday, though, he, he covered the underemployment and a very big emphasis on, on some of these jobs, how they're never going to come back. That, that in and of itself is dovish. You look at some of the data that they put out, uh, the PCE uh, 2.0 to 2.2 up through 2023. They don't expect any inflation. That in and of itself is dovish. Uh, but there are some other things that, that the bond market wants to see at this point. And, and really, that's the, the SLR. The leverage ratio for banks and, and banks own treasuries right now that don't count against their equities. And that exemption is is uh, up at, at March 31st. They haven't extended it yet. Maybe they shouldn't extend it. But that's an argument for another conversation. And that encourages some selling because the banks now got to raise cash to, for their equity. Uh, and then and then the yield curve control, of course. So there's a number of reasons why the, the bonds were not satisfied with it. And as they went lower overnight due to Norway Central Bank being a bit more hawkish, uh, they're going to hike rates later this year. News that the Bank of Japan is going to um, potentially let rates trade more freely, which means higher rates as well. So all this is, has been bearish for the bond market, and it's digesting that here. And so you got the reversal that you talked about here, uh, tech sharply lower, stocks overall lower, and the metals reversed pretty sharply. Is this a technical correction, or is it a complete shift in sentiment from last night to today? Listen, I mean, as, as a futures trader it, that trades leverage, I mean, these these are volatile markets. But, you know, on the equity side, as, a, as an investment advisor, I mean, there's they're, they're not they don't seem as volatile as uh, as as they do as a futures trader. I think you know, it's you know, if you have a good game plan on the equity side, I mean, there's there's definitely money to be made in different areas. And the same with the futures. But, you know, intraday, these these are some vicious moves we've been seeing in the futures, like what gold has done and trading up to um, you know in the 1750s and then back down below 1720, all, all within less than 12 hours. So, yeah, there, there's definitely some volatility out there, but I, I do think there's some good opportunity in, if you have the patience. Okay. Let's focus on bonds and the yields now. You were you were calling for higher yields for quite some time. I remember we spoke a couple months ago and we followed up. So you, you've made that correct call. I mean, people at the time didn't uh, didn't really believe you because no one no one expected yields to rise when they were low. But now, of course, we've seen what happened. What's your sentiment now? Any can it run even higher? Yeah, well, I, I do think we're within a peak area, at least for the intermediate term. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I am a a bond bull. I have been for a very long time, and I've, we've done very well being a bond bull for a very long time. I, I called it this 
in September to October, when, when I started to change, you know, how I felt about the treasuries in the intermediate term, I called this an intermission. So I had, you know, 60 basis points, I was looking for one and a half percent. And and we we got there. And, and the, the fear that I was sort of putting out there at that point was a, a fast, high velocity move from one and a quarter to one and a half or just above one and a half is what's going to spook the markets a little bit. And that's what we're seeing play out. Now, it, it has continued to go higher. I do think this region, 175, let's call it, even the like 16, is historically a very big area in, in the yields. Many lows were put in between 1.4 and 1.6 going years back. And that that was a, a very big area. So it's I, I think that everybody's looking for 2%. I don't think we we quite get there. So I, I think I'm not, I, I guess I'm, I am calling the top in the yields. I, I guess I am calling a bit of a bottoming process here in the bonds. I think we're closer to the end than the middle. Uh, of this uh, of this move in the, in the bonds to, to the downside or yields to the upside. Okay, we're going to talk about your trades in just a minute. So just to sum up, you think yields are going to come back down from here. That could be good for both equities and the precious metals, right? Absolutely. It, I think the yields pull back just a little bit um, and, and it's you know, they settle in. I don't think the the move over the long over this intermediate term is, is not necessarily done. So explain that a minute. I think I think what we've seen here now, this move up to 175 in the 10 year, I, I think we're in the very later innings of this move. I think we pull back, then maybe somewhere the yield talk of, of one and a quarter and settle in, and that's going to be very bullish. Uh, but as we look to turning into 2022 at this point, later this year, at that point, I do think that uh, you know we, we could see the yields rev up one more time because they're, they're going to have to talk about tapering and i think at that point too we're going to have more of a, of a better picture on on the reopening a better picture on the jobs and what jobs are coming back and and where is inflation at that point and and, and one of the one of the tailwinds that the fed has right now is there is no inflation by the metrics that they use we yeah. all know that inflation is out there from lumber prices to energy prices to agriculture prices it's real it's there housing prices so the, the fed has, has a, a bit of a goldilocks situation on their hands for them to remain dovish but at the same time that's why the bonds keep going lower the the, the longer dated because that inflation is going to show up and then they're also printing the fiscal policies they're printing new money that has to you know it's, it's supply in the bond market and uh and that demand to to buy those bonds is not is not meeting that supply right now yeah, I think they were, you know, the way I see it, they, they're trying to avoid the same mistakes that perhaps some other central banks made in the last financial crisis, raising rates too soon because they think inflation's coming. And that didn't work out very well for the markets. Well, exactly. That's what they got in front of last year. It was the symmetrical inflation targeting. They were going to allow inflation to run as hot above 2% as, uh, as it was below. So they're looking again, 2.0 to 2.2 inflation range for, for PCE. That's their preferred inflation indicator, core PCE, uh, in, by 2023. So there's no inflation. They don't really expect any inflation. That doesn't give them a reason to move, but they do want to see full employment. And that's where employment really comes in. And that U3 rate is about 6%. It's the U6 rate that is 11% right now. And, and that's, that's the underemployment. So uh, people that have fallen out of the workforce, and and that's what that's what really worries the Fed, and and that's that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why they should remain dovish. I okay, think. so uh, yeah, perfect segue, and I'm just going to read uh, part of Jerome Powell's statements from last night. People were asking him about his conditions for liftoff. We've we laid out what I think is very clear guidance on liftoff, and it's really three things: labor market conditions that are consistent with our estimates of maximum employment, 
And as I mentioned, we consider a wide range of indicators in assessing labor market conditions, not just the unemployment rate, inflation that has reached 2% and not just on a transitory basis, and inflation that's on track to run moderately above 2% for some time. Will any of that happen anytime soon, you think? Listen, I, I, I was thinking we would see CPI and PCE really move you know, through 2% in the first quarter. I was wrong there. I, I, I did get the, the, the treasury, the, the rate story right, but, and that's what mattered, really. That's where you're invested. You're not invested into a CPI indicator. And I, I'm surprised. I, I am surprised that we haven't seen it. And um, you know, it, it gives me the idea that we may not really see it by the measures that we actually feel it and where our pocket is. So I think that's, that's uh, you know, we'll find out. But I, I would not be surprised to see it contained the way they are. Listen, the Fed has done a terrific job. There's a lot of Fed haters out there. They'll pick and choose little things that they've done wrong along the way. They've done a terrific job. I hand it to them. Bravo. Yeah. So you think they're, pro so based on what you said, you think they're going to keep rates low for quite some time then? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it wasn't even half of the uh, the committee members that that uh, would expect to see a rate hike in 2023. I think it was seven out of 18 members. So I think there's going to be some work to do to even get them, you know, halfway there. Okay. Let's talk about trades now. Let's start with the future side. How are you positioned now, given given the statements from last night? Listen, I, I, I like holding some gold. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't over leverage. One of the ways I position in, in futures is is I, I like to say that I don't have to be right right now. So it, the, the CME micro contracts are great and you can pay, pick up a few of those per hundred thousand uh, dollars and, and kind of hold those, be patient with them. So I, I do like metals exposure. I love seeing how the metals are are able to battle uh, higher here, even as the treasuries go down. These these uh, legs lower in treasuries, as we saw last Friday as well as uh, you know, through this week, and then gold sort of kind of elevates up. I think there is some you know, rare earth you know, magnetism there, I guess, so to speak, that, that uh, palladium, it, what has done just some a massive run this week, dragging, dragging gold up or really dragging silver up and then silver's dragging gold. Silver's performed a bit better. So I like, I like silver and platinum. And I do hold the fact that I do think silver and platinum will continue to outperform gold this year. I like both of those. Uh, on actually trading it, you know, platinum is is a tough one to manage risk with sometimes. So it's it's just you, you do got to be a little careful. Um, but I, I do think they're all going to perform better. And then some of the ways I I'm cautiously trying to pick a bottom in the treasuries. Uh, some some different ways you could look to do that. I mean, uh, you know, buy some just managed risk call spreads. Uh, you know, use a stop in the ten years. So I am playing to the upside, looking for the treasuries to rebound sometime over the next thirty to sixty days. And those, those are some of the positions. And then energies as well. I mean, this crude oil is just getting clobbered. I think it's down more than 6% right now. It's, it's the day of reckoning that, that uh, crude has been sort of, you know, it's, it was around the corner. And it usually happens after these contract expirations or options expirations. So the April, April uh, options expired yesterday. And uh, you're, you're getting that sort of rollover right now. Yeah, there could be some fundamental news that, that's, that's moving. It, but there always is. But this, is, this I think, was, was a positioning. Um, move and, and we've been talking about being short April as the market got a little frothy. We've been bullish crude, but being short the April contract and being long the December contract because there's been a really steep uh, backwardation. You've seen the the April contract trading at about a, as much as a five dollar premium to the December, and we do we do believe that that comes in today. That's down to two forty. So that's something we've been playing with. I even was I even had talked about earlier in the week in, in some of my write ups of rolling that short April into a short May contract. But now that we're down at our target, is has been 230, 240, we're moving into the close. So we're probably sort of close that out today 
and then uh, look to reestablish it back to closer to $4. We want to be buyers in crude oil, though. Uh, so we're going farther out uh, in, month-wise, potentially looking like a September contract and, and look to position maybe coming out of the weekend or maybe buy some call spreads ahead of the weekend just so we can manage risk. I don't want to see any news in the weekend that could slam this market lower and, and really you know gap lower on, on futures. So one of the better ways to do that would be buy some call spreads, you know your risk is out there and, uh, and you avoid any, any crazy moves in the market for news. Okay, let's talk about the equity side now. The S&P 500 is still up year to date, but just on the last 30 days now, Bill, the last month it's gone nowhere, it's been flat. What's happening now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a push and pull. You get tech, you know, down sharply and as the NASDAQ is and, and then you, you know, which NASDAQ got up to 13,900 and it's, it's fallen sharply. It's been what is it, about 12,200 and, and it's struggling to regain 13,000. So you got the NASDAQ, uh, what is that? Six, five, six, seven percent from its, from its record high at maybe, maybe more, or, you know, you got the S and P that's at record high, set a new record high last night. And, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, push and pull here. The Dow Jones is actually higher today. So industrials are doing well. Energies, again, are having a bad day today, but energies have been on fire. Banks have been on fire. So you got some good leadership in the market overall. And it's just, we're at a time where it's not all about tech. I do think tech will, will have its day. And that's that's where you know active portfolio management becomes very very important in, in you know, trying to figure out you know, what's going to be the next, next cycle or rotation. What sectors do you like now then? Listen, our, our our largest positions have been and, and continue to be in uh, the the small caps. Uh, we use IJR, uh, KRE, good regional bank, just broad exposure, avoided idiosyncratic risk. Um, so those are those are two that we like a lot. But we love industrials that include things like Raytheon and, and Kansas City Southern. And uh, but you know, as as we've seen weakness in um, in some of the tech, I've been been buying Apple and Google, and, and so I, I think it just kind of staying diversified. But I, again, our, our larger positioning right now is is uh, looking at these banks continue to go and, and the small caps continue to go until there's a reason that that tells us that that they're not. And again, that could come any day, any week, and that's why we're always vigilant. Perfect. Thank you for your update, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for watching Kiko News. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm David Lin. Where are we right now in the commodity cycle?